from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler, and this is the second part of my interview with Columbus, Ohio photographer Brad Feinknopf. You can find the first part at www.crafttheshow.com. What's, what's your favorite building in Columbus to photograph? Columbus is evolving architecturally. I mean, and and I will say that the Wexner Center um, was really the breakthrough building in certain respects for Columbus as far as modern architecture. Okay. I mean, up to the point that the Wexner Center um, was built, we really did not have many buildings done by signature architects in the city. And once that was built, um, then, I mean, I will say, I mean, I had a certain amount of frustration in that the Wexner Center was designed by Peter Eisman. Probably the next um, building that was built in Columbus that was done by a signature architect was the Convention Center, which was also done by Peter Eisman. And I, I... was disappointed by that because I wanted us to not just be Peter Eisman town. I mm-hmm. wanted us to have projects by other architects. I, I will commend the university um, by helping to further that because at, at this point, you know, I've had the good fortune of photographing quite a few projects um, in this city and um and and on this campus on the university campus and you know we have wonderful projects i mean really if you talk about a project i've really enjoyed photographing and i continue to enjoy going back in it's the thompson library okay Um, so walk me through then um what i'd like to do is just to draw the connections between the craft that you were talking about, learning that, and something specific. Walk me through, say you get um, someone out, the university says, please photograph Thompson for some reason. And so then you say, okay, here's how I'm going to approach it. This is how I'm going to map out. This is what I'm going to do. Like, um, there's the golden hour. Mm-hmm. Um, usually right b- before usually right after sunrise and before sunset when the light is at its softest and most golden so if you're on the outside and you don't have a lot of control over light um, maybe that's the time you go but what then do you photograph how do you decide where to set up um, I, I think it, it is again I, I will say um, you know I spoke earlier about Time and spending time with your subject. And for me, um, you know, if hypothetically, had I never seen the Thompson Library, you know, the first thing I would want to do is to walk that, that project, to go through it inside and out, um, to have the dialogue with the architect about um, what they're trying to convey and what is what were their thought processes. I mean, I will say one of the the most enjoyable things for me is that collaboration with the architect mm-hmm. and getting inside the architect's mind and really understanding the thought process that went into designing that building where are i mean there's typically vision points and and things that are thought about um 
and really trying to get into that head. Um, I think probably also one of the things that is misunderstood about buildings is that they're static objects, which they're, they're not at all. I mean, you know, um, I, I would say most people who don't photograph architecture all the time just say, oh, you need me to photograph a building? Yeah, I'll just tell me. I'll be out there on a sunny day and I'll take some pictures. But buildings change. They change over the course of the day. They change over the seasons. Um, I mean, a, a very um, poignant example of this is I just did some of the photography of the Columbus Museum of Art. And um, we, when we did the photography, we did a whole session of photography in early October so that we would have images for when the museum opened in late October. And there was a point in time where the sun came around about 2.30 and came into the atrium and filled the atrium with light, and it was magical. And we wanted to do that same kind of shot once the museum was opened and we had people in there. And so about a month later, we were in there after they opened. And at that time, I'm waiting for that magical time. And the sun moved around and it went right behind the motorist building. <laughs> and there was no sunlight. No magic. And no magic. <laughs> and, and, and so I know that I want to be back there in you know late April, early May when the sun is back high in the sky so we can get those kind of images. And I think it is that understanding of all these different things about time of year, about weather, that all affect a building. And, and I will be the first one to say that I really don't like to have a finite piece of time to photograph a building, especially like the Thompson Library, of, okay, this is your day to photograph the Thompson Library. I mean, I like to have three, four days with a project because mm -hmm. you'll walk through a space that for whatever reason you haven't been in at a certain time of day. And sometimes something magical happens that happens for a matter of minutes, Mm -hmm. that that the the light comes in and reflects off of something and and the key thing is to be open and responsive enough to your environment that when these magical things happen have the knowledge of the tools to be able to capture that moment in time so is that something that you then say, all right, I need to be here tomorrow at 2.30, or do you carry around, I guess, a, a medium format, a large format camera and say, um, you know, that you're sort of anticipating some of these things and that's how you take the picture? Or is that always going to be, I notice it on Monday and then I photograph it on Tuesday and I come back during that magic time? It, it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it, it is... I will say that I have enough knowledge that I've gained over the years of sun position and weather that after walking a project, I have enough knowledge of when things might happen to anticipate it and be able to say, I think I want to be in this space around this time of day. Um, but there are always... Um, uh, happy accidents or little magical things that right. you don't anticipate that um, may happen because of 
light bouncing off of something that you couldn't have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, anticipation and, and knowing those things. I, I mean, I will be the, the first one to say that um, I, I was doing a, a shoot up at Kenyon, and we were driving back from Kenyon, and um, and we had been working on some photography of the new Bob he- Evans headquarters out in New Albany. And I knew what the weather conditions that I saw around me were happening. And I just felt in my gut I had to get to Bob Evans in any way possible in time to be there for dusk. And we got there in time for dusk. And the the sky turned pinks and purples and... And and it was magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's never a time, it's never easy to get up, especially in the summertime when dawn is very, very early or, or dusk is very, very late. And, and, and uh, you know, I can't say I love getting out of bed, but I rarely regret it. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's always um, very special to be there to witness that, that magical time. Yeah. This weekend, uh, there was frost on the ground, and I was trying to take pictures of frost. And uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying, because um, I went out of the backyard, which is where the sun comes up first, and I waited too long, and it was all melted. So I had to go on the front lawn, uh, where it, you know the house is in front of the sun. And I thought, oh, I'll get a couple. And I just got a couple of pictures before it all started to melt. Um, and then I realized, yeah, I got to get up earlier. <laughs> Does having this background mean that uh, you're the family photographer at every event? Every time you go somewhere, somebody <laughs> gives you a cam- camera, maybe a little cheap camera, and says, "Hey, take pictures of me." What what does that do for you? Oh, they, I, I am I'm absolutely the antithesis. I'm the I'm in fact I'm cursed in that regard. In what because, way? In that that uh, I I. Uh, I have always, you know, my wife has always said, when you come home, I want you to be home and I want you to leave your work at work. Mm-hmm. So I always leave my cameras at work and come to family events. And unless I've been uh, specifically asked to bring a camera, I rarely have a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maybe your uh, relatives don't give you difficulty for that. You're oh, the photographer. Uh, you should be uh, filming well, us. I, I think uh, after 22 years, they've uh, <laughs> accepted it. And, and uh, like I said, at the onset, you know, I was never really interested um, in being the photojournalist. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, I, I look at photography as a very deliberate thing, at least it is for me, that just like a a painter with his easel doesn't go and set up every place. I don't go and, um, you know, when I get out my camera, I'm getting it out with purpose and mm-hmm. intent and um you know if if the family says it's time to do a new family portrait yes i will bring my okay. camera and i will bring my lighting and do what they ask me to do but so you you bring the camera and then make them wait you get them up at 4 <laughs> in the summer so that they're there for the golden time for the golden time right, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> goes over really well yeah. i imagine with the family yeah see if i if i did that you know that that's actually a smart move because then they would say you know maybe we'll find another recourse yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you, you only have to do that once That's before right. <laughs> they decide that they can go to a, a photography place. Um, one of the uh, things that I 
I, I would like to, to know about because I am interested in the craft and I do I dabble in, in photography. What kind of cameras are you uh, using? I mean, what are you doing the the big large format like you described earlier? And uh, is it has it changed lately through digital? Uh, it is, it has certainly changed and it is continually changing. Um, for seventeen years, I shot four by five film and um, sort of reluctantly gave up my 4x5 and uh, did not give up my 4x5 until I felt that there was a good jumping-off point. And I I, I mean, I, I can go through my career and just uh, feel lucky, fortunate that I did a lot of things at the moment in time that I did. Um, I could have probably jumped to digital sooner and it would have cost me a great deal more. Um, and I jumped at a time that I will still, and had I jumped later, I probably would not have been where I am now. Um, so my jumping off was a, a pretty good time, uh, which was about six, seven years ago. Um, I jumped from, I initially jumped from four by five, um, to medium format digital. And I have a, $70,000 medium format digital camera that um, we have a digital back that's about a $40,000 back and a series of digital lenses that range any from two to $6,000. So in total, that kit probably has roughly $70,000 in it. Um, you know, is the quality incredible? Yeah, the quality is incredible. But I will say that it's very slow and cumbersome to use, much like the 4x5. Mm -hmm. And um, do I shoot with it all the time? I shoot with it um, less and less these days. Um, and I will say I, I shoot more with my SLR and perspective control lenses just because I can work faster and I can capture things that it's harder to capture with the medium format. Mm -hmm. I'm, I love the medium format, don't get me wrong, and I use it when I can and I'm in a position where I can work more slowly and do more stylized shots. Mm -hmm. um, but also, if you look at architectural photography and where it has gone over the last 20, 25 years, it's at a very different place than where it was 20, 25 years ago. In what way? If you find a copy of Architectural Record from 20 years ago, you will find images of buildings that are incredibly sterile with almost no people in them. And I think um, there's been an understanding that why we build buildings is for people. And therefore, you know, if you're going to photograph a, a, a building, you should really photograph it with people. And so if you open up architectural record of today, it will be rare that you find many images that don't have people in them. Mm -hmm. And so when you are, I mean, it's also very interesting. Early in my career, there was a prominent architectural photographer here locally who asked me to assist him on a shoot back when I was assisting um, simply because the architect asked him to 
um, photograph spaces with people. And he felt very comfortable photographing architecture, but he didn't feel comfortable working with people and wanted me to sort of be his liaison Mm. to ask the people who were going to be in the shots to do what he needed them to do because he really didn't feel comfortable interacting with them himself. So he asked you to get them to stage the the, the shots? Essentially, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. When you talk about getting people in the shots and, and the deliberative process, those are two things at odds with each other. It seems to me that's a tough road to walk. It it, it is, but I mean, quite frankly, it's for for me, and I can't say. I mean, obviously, it wasn't for him, but I mean, I also really enjoy working with people. So. And, and I'm not talking necessarily photographically. I enjoy working with my assistants. I enjoy working with the architects as collaborators. I enjoy working with the people who are in my images. So um, there is something very invigorating for me to be shooting architecture with people. Mm-hmm. I, I think it yes there there's there's randomness and chance and all kinds of things that you have to deal with but i mean it gets back at the cartier brisson the decisive moment where just as he um set up um and watched a a puddle and watched people leap over it to capture, you know, the the image that he wanted to capture of the man in mid-step holding his boulder as he leapt over the puddle, there's a sense that, I, I mean, I often am doing the same thing mm-hmm. in that I'm creating in a photographic composition of which the architecture, I don't want to go so far as to say is the background, but it is the setting. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching people as they move through that space to kind of hoping for that magical moment in time where the people are just right compositionally that they help take that image to another place. When they're right compositionally, do you yell, freeze? Um, Or do the people keep, you just keep... Shooting and hoping to capture it. Well, I mean, you you shoot and you hope to capture it. Um, you know, that is not always the way in which I work. Um, I mean, there is there are times where I work and I have people there to be in the shots and I mm-hmm. place them compositionally where I want them so that they bring the shot together as I would hope as opposed to waiting for divine intervention to happen. <laughs> um, but there have also been times where um, I know that I want a person in a certain space and another person in another space and another person in a third space. And we will set up in a certain area and wait for people to inhabit those different areas, capture them, and then uh, collage those in post Mm -hmm. to create something um, that maybe that didn't happen in time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That moment didn't happen in time, but we've created a moment that happened in time. I think it's very important to get back to something that Ansel Adams said, that photography is not about 
uh, reality, but it's about perceived reality. Mm -hmm. And I, I will be the first one to say that, you know, my job is to show buildings in their best possible light. And um, am I trying to create something real without question? I'm not trying to create something fabricated. But, you know, if a person in a certain spot or a certain position within that space helps make my image stronger and helps tell more about that environment... I don't really feel that I've, you know, augmented reality. I'm not mm -hmm. changing colors. I'm not making something that if somebody else went into that space would say, this space looks unrecognizable to me. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about putting them in the composition, uh, I'm, I'm curious, let me, it, I guess, walk me through how it goes beyond the figure of the human. Is that uh, like the dress is there something about the way they're dressed, something about their being male, female, something about the hairstyle? What is it that, that does that? Or is it just like there's a figure should be here and a figure should be here and they're sort of interchangeable? Uh, I, I think it, it it is often more a figure should be here and a figure should be there. Um, I mean, I don't have the luxury of being able to oftentimes choose the dress or choose mm -hmm. choose my subjects or choose male or female or um so often i'm working with you know those subjects that i have been given okay um and um one other thing i was curious about is uh, if there you talk about randomness and chance has there been have there been occasions where um, something happened that you didn't expect that, you know, now with Photoshop, you could take it out, but maybe with film, you looked at it and said, boy, I'm going to have to collage that because I didn't realize that this person was in the shot in the way that they are, you know, because if uh, I've taken photographs of different buildings and I remember this one, somebody was leaning out of the building, yelling something. And I was like, well, on one hand, um, it, it disrupts it because it was this whole bank of windows that was this crazy, not crazy, but just so geometrically perfect. And then there's one window open and this woman's looking down yelling at somebody with a not very happy look <laughs> on her face. And I kept thinking, and, and I went back and forth on that photograph because I thought, on one hand, I love the capturing of that moment. On the other hand, I was going for something else. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you handle that? Well, I think though, I mean, I always treasure the fact that I started in film. And um, I think film teaches you a lot of discipline. And I've never, ever wanted to use Photoshop as a crutch. So I try to the best of my ability to create in the camera what my vision is as completely as possible, just like I would have done with film. That being said, I look at Photoshop as a tool, not as a crutch. Mm -hmm. And that I, I saw many photographers with the advent of Photoshop um, immerse themselves in Photoshop and become much more almost, in some cases, photo illustration people, that they, they got away from their craft of being photographers and became computer people. 
and they spent a quarter of their time taking pictures and three quarters of their time at the at the computer. I never wanted that. I I I got into photography because I wanted to be behind the camera. And so, I mean, I I will be the first one. I have a retoucher who does and and my focus was I want to be the best photographer I can be and work with a retoucher where their goal is to be the best retoucher they can be. Mm-hmm. And so my focus is uh, first having the vision of what I am trying to create and then be able to get the pieces of the puzzle that I can then hand over to my retoucher to then be able to complete the vision. When you're with other photographers, what's your favorite story to tell about a difficult or unusual shoot? The one you usually say, oh, you think that's crazy. Listen to this. And and you tell them uh, a story. One of the best stories along those lines was I, I flew into Boston to photograph the Boston Convention Center. And um, it was going to be a rather lengthy job, and we were to be there on for um, a total of five days. And um, we flew in on Saturday. We were supposed to photograph through Wednesday. And when um, I landed in Boston, um, I got a phone call that there was kind of a a family emergency or at least a seeming family emergency and that it would be best if I returned back home. And so I explained it to my client and, uh, and, and they understood and I got on the next flight home, got home and, um, and it was a misdiagnosis on behalf of a doctor, <laughs> and the family emergency was averted. <laughs> and my, I said to my wife, you know, what, what should I do? And she said, well, I had planned for you to be gone for this period of time. Um, I would get on the first flight back to Boston. So I flew to Boston on that Monday morning, um, and we crammed. Um, five days worth of work into three days and we worked about 20 hours a day and um, on Tuesday we shot till two in the morning went back to the hotel and um, slept till about four in the morning got about two hours of sleep and then went back and at 4.30 in the morning set up and took an image of the Boston Convention Center at dawn. And that image on very wee hours of sleep um, has probably been the most published image of my career. That's It's been on book covers and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's certainly um, something that really came very unexpectedly, uh, certainly four and a half days earlier when I thought I was in a very different world. What is there when you look at that photo and you say, this is why it's so popular? Why do you think, what what aspects of it? Well, I, I mean, it's certainly, um, it's a captivating building. And, and I, going sort of going full circle um, back to 
Avedon. Um, I, I will say that when I worked with Avedon and you had people like Christy Turlington and Cindy Crawford and those type of people coming in the door, it's a lot easier to take a good picture of a beautiful woman than it is to take a good picture of a less than beautiful woman. And it is certainly easier to take a good picture of a good building than it is a less than good building. And so I, I will say um, I've been blessed with the opportunity to photograph a lot of good buildings. Uh, the Boston Convention Center is certainly a dramatic building. So you compound the uh, the drama of the building plus the weather conditions and the being there at the right time and right place of dawn and uh, just all of the planets aligned and it, it just uh, became very captivating. Brad Feinknopf, I want to thank you very much for talking to me today on Crafted. I appreciate your insights into photography and uh, from now on I'll be able to take uh, certainly great pictures of buildings <laughs> and if Cindy Crawford comes by, I'll take a picture. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. Be creative.